Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today I'm joined by Chelsea Lenarduzzi from the Gillaroos, Maroons and Brisbane Broncos NRLW team. Chelsea takes us inside the NRLW in its inaugural few years and it explains a lot of the challenges the girls face, along with the challenges that face the NRLW itself. A lot of factors that we don't even consider or recognise when watching the handful of NRLW games you see each year. Women's Rugby League has come a long way over the last 30 years. Athletes like Chelsea are just the beginning of the new wave of rugby league superstars. Chelsea is still quite young, but has already achieved so much in rugby league. She's still got a few things on her bucket list to tick off, though. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's kick it off. Chelsea, welcome on. How are we? Hey, yeah, good, good. Um, just chilling like everyone else. <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah, it's yeah. a crazy time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Born in Mossvale in New South Wales. I wasn't aware of this until I already asked you to come on the podcast, but you're playing for the Maroons. What's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I didn't so know you were this I sort did... of person before I asked you, but I'll, I'll give you a chance to uh, explain yourself. Yeah, so um, I started playing competition rugby league in Queensland, so I... um qualified for Queensland but um I openly admit growing up that I was a blue supporter but I'm a full convert now <laughs> I wouldn't imagine playing for the blues now which is quite funny actually because I was a pretty hard out fan but yeah I'm very happy to play for Queensland now I think um I actually got asked this last year before the origin game and I was sort of thinking about it and um like for me all the rugby league people that I've sort of benefited from like um like playing at Burley I've been coached by Tani Norris who's um a bit of a legend in the women's game and I've played with so many great Queensland players so it feels like I'm sort of representing them so yeah I'm dedicated to Queensland now. (laughs) Are there plenty of girls around that were born in New South Wales but played their footy in Queensland and have followed the same path as you? Uh there is a few actually yeah there's um more than what uh, people would think but even like some of the because 
So when it um, used to be called the Interstate Challenge, not the State of Origin, you played for where you were just playing your footy. So um, a few, like, so that coach I was just talking about, actually, Tani Norris, she actually played a few games for New South Wales and then moved to Queensland and then played like for many, many years for Queensland. So um, a few people have had to sort of switch over. But um, now that it's the State of Origin, the eligibility rules are uh, where you play first footy. and Oh, it's similar to the men. So there's a, there's a couple of – well, there was a girl last year living in Queensland who played for New South Wales. So it's good. It's becoming a bit more professional that way. But, yeah, for me, I'm pretty happy to stay with Queensland. <laughs> yeah, well, if you ever want to come back, we're more than happy to have you. Chelsea, you're lucky enough to have your own 2020 NRL footy card. You know, every child's dream. I'd give my right arm to have my own footy card. That must be one hell of a feeling. Yeah, it was pretty cool when I discovered it. I actually had a a young kid, like, um, send me a photo of it on Instagram. And I was like, oh, my God, where do I even get? Like, I didn't even know where I could get it. And I still haven't got it, actually. I really need to get it. But, yes, I mean, I used to... Remember when they were in the chip packets? Do I remember? I used to go through about <laughs> 10,000 packets of chips for a footy card. Yeah. Like that, I definitely collected them. Um, so, yeah, it was very, very cool moment. Have you um, have you worked out a way to get your hands on one? No, I haven't. No, I don't we'll have to. We uh, we'll have to talk after. I think I, I've got a spare one lying around from my, uh, from my footy cards giveaway. Oh, all right. Sweet. <laughs> Very cool, jealous. Cool. Very, very. That jealous. was pretty hectic. Hey, hey, so, I, so did that. they not tell you you were going to have one? Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, actually, had a um, a meeting sort of at a women's Australian camp once, and everyone was like, "Do we have footy cards?" Then, yeah. <laughs> How good's that? Tell me about your um. <laughs> tell me about your junior footy growing up. The pathways that are set in stone um for women now. Uh, well, for me, I was actually didn't play any rugby league except for um, like a couple of primary school gala days um, as a like as a kid, and those were like Christmas to me. I really would look forward to those days because um, I wasn't like many other players. I wasn't really allowed to play rugby league because you got to play with the boys, obviously. Um, and then when you're twelve, you got to stop. So um, I played other sports. I played hockey. A uh, bit of touch, basketball, and then athletics. So for me, I didn't really have any any junior development. I only started playing when I was nineteen, I think, or twenty. So, um, but I always just wanted to play. I always felt like it was. It sounds ridiculous, but I always felt like it was my most natural sport. Um, just like playing around um, with like local kids or whatever. Um, but now there's pretty much under sixes to opens. There's a clear pathway for the girls, which is huge because. If you think about like the standard of the game right now, most of us playing didn't play from five till adulthood. So we missed so many years of development, but in maybe 10 years, there's going to be girls that played from five until open. So there'll be a whole different breed of player. I'm a teacher myself. I teach in primary schools and the amount of girls that are playing now from, as you said, the age five, it's incredible. And they just love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's funny, like, I go to schools or, like, like gala days or whatever, and I'll be talking to some of the girls and they've played as long as I have. Ridiculous. Like, I'm... Because <laughs> I've only played for... Um, this is going to be year five. 
for me. So, like, that's nothing in the scheme of a sport. So, it's like, you, you, I meet girls who have played for five years and they're only 16. That's oh, crazy. It's, 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 it's a new world, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's really good. Like, we'll be, we'll be um, shoveled off in no time. <laughs> you, um, you mentioned that you thought rugby league was your most natural sport, which blows me away considering you're a three-time national shot put champion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not bad yeah, being a national feel, champion I, I in your uh, in your second sport, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, athletics has always been a big one as well. Obviously, I, that was always sort of the dream growing up to go to the Olympics, and I haven't closed that dream yet. It might still happen, but um, yeah, in terms of like a team sport, and that's what I really was craving and missed when I actually started rugby league was a team sport. But just like I would, I don't know, I'd like be playing with my brother in the backyard or I'd play at halftime in the local footy. Like, you know how you, little kids just run onto the field and kick it around and stuff. And I always just felt like I really wanted to play and I, I felt like I would, it was my most natural sport. So when I finally got to play, it was like a relief. <laughs> you mentioned the Olympics still being a dream. What sort of a time frame do you put on, you know, obviously uh, um, for Olympians, you know, in, the, in reality, it's a small time frame to be at your peak to be able to achieve an appearance at, at the Olympics, let alone win anything. Where do you see that yes. panning out in your, um, in your career? For uh, shot put, the sort of top level throwers are actually kind of late 20s to mid 30s range. So it's sort of the age gap where rugby league players look to retire that's sort of why I haven't completely closed off the idea but in saying that like by the time I'm that age rugby league could for the women could be professional so I'm not sure I would want to walk away from that either so but I'm just it's more of a never say never thing like if I was to achieve all the things I wanted to in footy and I was still young enough to give it a crack at the Olympics or um give it a crack at shot put again, I would I would definitely consider doing it. Sounds like uh, Michael Jordan jumping over to baseball for a stint. <laughs> yeah, not not quite. <laughs> what would um what would a gold medal mean to you compared to what you've achieved in rugby league? Oh, I mean that would be huge. I mean to be honest, like even making the Olympics would be huge because there's only there's not very many people that get to say they're an Olympian. It's like once you're an Olympian, you're an Olympian forever. It's a very exclusive club, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's like it's uh, such a small percentage of the population. So, I mean, to say you're an Olympian would be huge. (laughs) Special. Let me ask you, uh, you essentially can play anywhere in the scrum. Um, I've seen you in the second row. I've seen you in the front row. If you had to compare yourself to an NRL player, who would you say uh, you're the closest to? (laughs) Oh god, that's hard. Um, well, I've got. I will say on the positional front, I'm definitely more of a fan of the middle. So the front row or lock is where I, I want to stay. I did enjoy playing back row, but I don't love it as much as the middle. So if I was, oh, I don't know. I don't want to insult any of the boys. Um, <laughs> I like. I like um, attributes of different players, I guess. So I like. Obviously, everyone wants to be Jason Tamalolo. I like how hard he runs the ball. Yep. Um, which everybody likes that. Um, so that's something. Uh, this is more, I guess, of, to answer your question, I guess this is more of what I wish I was. So I wish I was uh, uh, as hard a runner as he is. And I try to do that as much as I can. But um, 
sometimes it's not as always as good as what he can do, obviously. But um, I'm here. And then I love Fafita's offloading ability. He's very silky smooth with the flick passes at times, which is something that I really like to incorporate into my game. That's uh, um, that's David, yeah. Uh, well, actually, both of them. I both was them. talking about. Um, you were talking about Andrew. Andrew but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was actually just going to mention the the young guys at the Bronx, Payne and David, just like a sort of a new breed of forward where they're so athletic. So that's something else that I wish, I hope to capitalize on. I guess. Do you um do you get to spend much time with those guys? Do you do you, do you guys ever train together or anything? Uh, not really, because we actually train. So at the Broncos, we kind of have our own facility, which is across the road from them. Um, and we also train at different times. So it's very rare that we actually um, are at the Bronx with the boys, but whenever we are, they're like very welcoming and um, very nice to us and everything. Um, it's, it's really cool. There was a couple of captain's runs that we've um, trained on the same day as them, and it's really cool to be around the club when, when that's on because it's just kind of a buzz, like a pre-game buzz, so... Yeah, that's that's really cool. But um, I think because because like um, we sort of have to factor in training times around like work schedules and regular day things. We train uh, like afternoon, night, whereas they train more during the day. So yeah, we don't run to them a lot. You mentioned Payne Haas there. Like for a guy like him, his journey would go. Broncos debut, Origin debut, then play for the Kangaroos. Yours sort of has gone the opposite way. You made your uh, Gillaroos debut in 2017 before the Broncos women's team was around. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, well, um, to be to be technical, because I don't want to um, lead you astray, that was um, more of a PM's team. That was the first tour of um, PNG, so it wasn't an official Gillaroos test match, um, but it, it was more of a... Um, it was sort of a trial match kind of thing to make the World Cup squad, which was later announced in 2017, which I, I didn't make. But, um, yeah, to go to PNG and even be around, like, the environment of the Gillaroos was very uh, eye-opening, I would say. Um, it, was so, it was so cool to play with that I hadn't played with who'd been playing for Australia for a couple of years. So it, I guess it sort of spurred me on to focus on making the test team which didn't come until last year but it's it sort of the goal sort of started in 2017 or even before then but yeah um and obviously going to PNG is a whole story in itself like the people there love rugby league like some of the things that we saw were so cool like um people waiting at the airport for things to come in and they're lining the streets to wave to the bus like it was just incredible you know, we, we, we've all seen those tapes of the um, of the men's kangaroos sides arriving there and it, it just looks yeah. like a riot. Was it was it the same sort of experience, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we were all on the same flight. So obviously most of them were probably there for the boys, but we got to see like all the people were so excited to be there and just see the, the, the plane come in. So it was so cool. I can't even explain it. Whenever the Prime Minister's 13 goes there and plays, you know, they they normally win by 30 or 40 points and you see the score and you think, oh, it was a walkover. But if you actually sit down and watch those games, they look to be some of the most brutal affairs ever. How did you find it? Yeah. 
<laughs> Correct. Um, yeah. we've, so we've, um, we've also gone to PNG with the Broncos for our two trial matches for the last two years. So in 2018, I played. In 2019, I was still injured, so I only watched. But So I've played PNG the times and it feels like the scoreboard is so not a reflection of the feeling of, on the body like they are so tough it just it feels like you've been hit by a bus after the game it's like they could be down 100 nil it wouldn't matter they'd still hit you just as hard i love when you see um you know on 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 the few tapes of the prime minister's 13 i watch you know it, it could be 40 blot and they score a try and the whole place just erupts like it, it must yeah, be as much it, as you're yeah. upset to let a try and it must put a smile on your face at the same time yeah <laughs> it's even it, even last year like so i was i was um in a moon boot watching on the sideline but like i forget what the score was but um like put on a good hit and the crowd would just lose it like it didn't it didn't matter what the score was like we've hit on one of our girls and she lost the ball and everyone was like going crazy and it was almost like funny like I was obviously like oh no we've lost the ball but I was like just amazed by their reaction Tell me about how you ended up at the Broncos in 2018. Um, yeah, so the way that the kind of my scouting and signing ha- signings happened were very like, I don't know how to explain it, a bit all over the shop um, because no one had ever had really any affiliation with any clubs. So lots of different clubs were talking to lots of different players and time was running out to sign people and everything. So um for me, um, I was actually talking to another club because it was the only one that was sort of offering me anything. So it was looking like I was going to go somewhere else. But then um, we had nationals, kind of like a, a three-day comp, uh, which is quite brutal because you got to play lots of games in a short amount of time. But it was kind of like the tryouts to, or like a scouting opportunity for NRLW coaches. So... Um, I played that, and to be honest, I played pretty poorly. Um, and <laughs> I was thinking, okay, I need to sign with this other club because I don't think I'm going to get a look in. Can I um, ask, uh, were you coming to Sydney? Uh, I was going to New South Wales, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yep. <laughs> anyway, so I was sort of like resigned to the fact that I was going to gonna have to go relocate for the comp. And then a couple of days after Nationals, I was – a bit mopey and I was like oh I better go train so I'm at, at the park doing some conditioning and um, the Broncos coach called me at the time and was just had a chat to me and sort of was like I think you've got potential etc and then offered me a spot and I was very very happy to take it <laughs> what a moment it was a huge relief because like if I'm honest that was the club that I wanted to be at so yeah I was, I was very very happy such a strong also, club to be at. Also, was really grateful because I felt like um, he really took a, a chance because I hadn't played that well at the Nationals comp and he really believed in me at the time. His name's um, Paul, the first-year Broncos coach. And um, yeah, I think I, I, I owe a lot to him, I would say, in terms of um, like skill and everything, but in terms of like mentally believing Duck would be a good player and everything, he really helped with that. 
Tell me about that 2018 season. Uh, we all know how it ends. The Broncos win the grand final. But tell me about the experience of the year before, uh, for you. I imagine it must have been just a surreal experience. Yeah, it was like, it's one of those things like when you're in it, it just feels like a bit of a roller coaster. But looking back, it's such a good memory. Like that first team was like just the perfect blend of different people the coaching staff were just incredible like and we bonded so quickly um I've told this story to a few people but um we had like a pre-season camp and we all sort of sat in a room and it was just like a talk and when we walked out I was like I just had this feeling like oh this is like a special group and it turned out to be (laughs) a special group because we won but it was just like this weird sense of like trust in everybody. Like I, I was never on the field. And I would feel stressed. Everyone was always really calm. We always just followed the game plan. Like it's so simple, but it always just felt like so safe when we we're on the field. Um, and yeah, the, the coaching staff were incredible, like off the field, not with like, um, everyone to come together like the bonding side of things getting people to believe in themselves so yeah it was definitely one of the best experiences I've been involved in and obviously to yeah there's only one ever first winner um which was one of the things that we kind of talked about that year like who knows what was going to happen like that like we didn't even know if there was going to be NRLW the next year so it was pretty much like this is this could be the first and last like so you want to win yeah, and, you know, the the Broncos have obviously won NRLW since. They'll win more in the future, but they're only going to win it for the first time once. So it's a it's a pretty little yeah. s- special piece of history for you. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, speaking of the first team to win the NRLW, you're also the first team to go back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, Tell me what was the um, what was the difference between you know the in 2018 you were um, you were the hunters in in 2019 you hunted everyone was after you how did that season feel what changed um so at the club a lot changed so we um got a pretty much a brand new coaching staff and lots of player movement happened but uh, within the team I think the girls that stayed the good core group that stayed they really instilled the culture of the first year's team and then blending that with the new talent and the new coaching staff were which were incredible again like the second year's coaching staff were awesome um we had kelvin as the head coach who proved proved that he could um back it up (laughs) the first year like that's a lot of pressure to take over a uh premiership winning team as a new coach you know so and and he did it and he won um and then we had Simon Mannering and Corey Parker. So they're two 300-game players. So You could have worse like, blokes around you. Yeah, so it's uh, so crazy that, like, the guys like that would coach us. But, um, like, with, within the team, we had players that care so much about the club and care so much about the team culture. So it was not like a – it wasn't so much as a starting over thing, which I think – which was kind of the feeling that it might be. Um, we sort of came together as a group and we were just like, we're not going to start over completely. Um, We're going to take what we built last year and then blend it with the new. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which ended up being the perfect combo again. And in terms of like being the hunted, I think actually something that sort of motivated us was that everybody actually wrote us off. When a lot of the player movement happened, I think the like expert sort of thing uh, in the women's game, they said <clears throat> they predicted that we'd come third. I think that was actually, I mean, if I'm honest, like that was a motivating factor for me and a few of the other girls. Like it was weird because it felt like I don't, not disrespectful, but it was a bit like weird because it was like, we worked so hard to win last year and lost a few great players for sure. But, We've also still got a lot of great players. Like we still had a lot of the girls that won the first year in the team. And it was kind of like, let's not forget about that. <laughs> um, so to win that year after being, and like, like, to be honest, like the Dragons were red hot favorites. So to beat them, really cool. <laughs> speaking um, speaking of, of great players in your team, the one I want to ask you about, I... Um... When I'm watching footy on a Friday night, it's the halves that I love to watch. That um, yeah, your Mitch Moses, your your um, Luke Keary, these sort of guys. I think a player in your team that she might be the best rugby league player in Australia. She's so skillful, Ali Brigginshaw. Tell me yeah. about her. She is just she is special. Yeah, she's um, one of the goats for us. I think um, she's also become such a great leader. When I first started very different to what she is now. She's grown into someone who's... So she's the Broncos captain uh, and the Gillaroos captain and the Queensland captain. And her leadership is, like, probably not what people expect. She's very calm and she's very, like, uh, relaxed in terms of a leader. But whenever we need something on the field, it's like, bang, Aliel can do it. So I think one of, one of the cool ones from last year was uh, in that Roosters game when she did that chip and chase. It was sort of out of nothing, but not, not not many players can create stuff like that, but she is the type of player that can. And, um, yeah, it was kind of like a freakish chip and chase out of nothing, and all of a sudden we've got four more points um, on the board, yeah. But, yeah, she's uh, very skillful, and she does, like, simple things so well. Like, I think um, one of her best assets is such a simple step and it gets everybody every time, including me. I've played her in Clubland and she's done her stupid step and I've fallen for it every time. She must be <laughs> she must be untouchable in Clubland. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's oh she's definitely, you know, when she's got the ball, like let's shut her down, otherwise we're gonna be in trouble here. To demonstrate just how good they are. Ali Brigginshaw will have the honour of lifting the trophy two years running. Tell me about uh, Grand Final Day 2019. You're looking to uh, defend your title. Run me through the day. The Grand Final for me was a bit... Well, the whole 2019 season was a bit 
I don't know how to describe it. It was a bit of a um, personal battle, I guess, because I'd been injured in the grand final of our club, club season. So I was injured in late, uh, early August and then rehabbed really hard to come back to the NRLW and missed the first game because I wasn't cleared from injury yet and then came back in the second. So, like, my minute, I played really small minutes the whole NRLW comp, which was frustrating for me, but... On grand final day, I kind of was thinking about the whole year and um, I had a conversation with someone at the Broncos that week and uh, he was he said, like, I know it's annoying that you're not like where you want to be in terms of like your personal game, but think about all the people that would want to be playing one minute of this grand final. And it really gave me a reality check, which was good which is what I needed. So when the day for the grand final kind of rolled around, I wasn't even really like that nervous, which was good. I just went about the day as normal. I usually have a uh, Kit Kat on game day, so I did that. And then um, <laughs> we got to the field um, and the uh, interstate game was on. And because I played for Burley in Clubland, I was watching Burley play. Uh, the, was it the Jets? Yeah, and, and, and the oh, Jets won on the last play, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, the Newtown Jets, sorry. Yeah, so I was just watching that. Uh, everyone was really relaxed. Warm-up was really good, like really calm tense at the same time. Um, so Lavinia Gould scored like really early in the game. And it was just, oh, actually, sorry, backtrack. The first thing that kind of happened where I thought that we were good, we were going to have a good day was... Um, after the first set, I can't remember who, but someone kicked it down and we had this huge chase from uh, Turner, Julia Robinson, I think was the other one. They chased heaps hard and like jammed their fullback, took her out. They got a penalty for some reason. If you watch, if you watch the tape, I don't know if, <laughs> why they got a penalty. But regardless, it kind of set the tone for the game. Like we were going to be really aggressive from the start. Yeah, that, I guess from then... We just felt in control. I know the exact moment you're talking about. You you guys kick into the deep left corner and they they buried her over the sideline. They got the penalty and you could sort of see on the Dragons' faces, like as much as they got a penalty, they knew they were already down. The energy you guys came out with was just massive. And that tackle, they must have pushed her 15 metres. That was actually a person in our team, I guess, that's, a bit of an unsung hero is uh, Amy Turner. We call her Weiwei. She is just the type of player that sort of like brings energy and she's so reliable on the field. So when she, like there was other girls in the tackle, so I don't want to just credit her, but her competitiveness in that moment was just like, all right, let's go. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> it really uh, it really set the tone for you guys. Um, now, a bit later in the game, you guys have a set of six starting on about your own 20 or 30, and you have this amazing set where self and two other forwards take it up. You make your 30 or 40 metres. You get six again. You end up on their try line. You get the ball on about third or fourth tackle. Tell me what happens next. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just – there's not many times in a game where I'm like, give me the fucking ball. But – oh, sorry, I just saw. No, go but, for it. I just felt like, um, accu- like I guess it was the accumulation of the rocky um, season I'd had uh, coming back from that injury. Like I was just like, this is 
give me the ball. This is like my moment kind of thing. And then Taryn, I'm pretty sure was it uh, Hooker. She, she sort of looked at me actually first. I should give her more credit because she kind of looked at me like, do you want it? And then I had a look and I was like, yeah, give me the ball. And then, yeah, I just sort of barged over, which was very good feeling. I, I felt like <clears throat> it was probably one of my favourite like individual moments on the field because um, it was the first rep try, but and it came in, in the grand final, obviously, which is awesome. But it just felt like the rehab and trying to work so hard to get back for the comp was like worth it. Yeah, so... I have watched it a few times. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Barged over. You beat about four girls and then you span. It was incredible. You, you spoke about <laughs> wanting some attributes like Tao Malolo earlier. You didn't miss on that run. <laughs> yeah, I just need to do it some more often, I think. <laughs> Tell me about the uh, the celebrations after that grand final. Um. Yeah, so... Oh, what did we do that year? It was cool, actually. Well, I will say one of the celebration moments that sort of stands out in my head was um, once once the game's over, everyone sort of does a lap of the field with the trophy uh, with the fans. So they take photos, see family and all that. Um, and then it takes ages for everyone to come back into the sheds. So when everyone's finally there, it's like, hell yeah, let's, let's go because we just won. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so we're back in the sheds and I think we might have been waiting for Ali because she might have been doing some interviews or something. And we're all sort of standing there like ready to sing the team song and ready to like celebrate and stuff. And she walked in and we just like very pumped up and everything. But um, Corey Parker was like just, I felt like he was as excited as any of us. And it was so cool to see how excited he was because obviously he's, done everything in the game so I felt like it was so cool that he was as excited because it kind of I feel feel like it meant a lot um to see someone of that caliber be so invested in the team especially being such a club legend uh, yeah so anyway he's (laughs) he said something and then he opened up this box and he threw out the grand final tees and then we just started singing the team song and stuff and from then it was just a good time I think uh, most of us went went we went back to the hotel and had a bit of a celebration with family and friends and stuff and then most of us um, went to the casino and partied on <laughs> who was uh, who was best on ground at the uh, casino oh well to be honest I didn't even last that long but um, <laughs> oh I don't know if I should even say hey there was a few, there's a few girls that stayed out pretty late they've got stamina so they should. Yeah. <laughs> um, now we we spoke a little bit before this podcast, and um, it's something that I, I'd love you to dive into to give people some perspective. You know, you spoke to me earlier about when you guys won that grand final and you're doing your victory lap, and there's a few negative comments that get around social media and stuff about, oh, you know, why why are they celebrating so much? They've they've only played five games. How do you respond to that? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Yeah, so as I was telling you before, like, um, that's kind of one of the, as a player, that's one of the more frustrating things I find to read or to hear that um, fans kind of say, because um, we play a full season of rugby league. We just don't play a full season for the NRLW. So um, by the time we get 
even selected for the NRLW and start playing with them. We've already played pretty much a whole year, you know. It can be like about 15 games before the NRLW, plus you, if you're playing Origin, plus uh, the other rep stuff. So what I was talking about before with the Women's Nationals comp. So you end up playing like close close to 20 games, and then you play NRLW. The four the four games that are on TV they don't look like much, but it's accumulation of a whole year's work. So when people are kind of like, "Oh, why are they celebrating? Congrats, you won three or four games or whatever it is," it's like, "Yeah, but firstly we had to make that team by playing a whole nother comp. Then we played the ref stuff on top of that. Plus, to keep in I guess to keep in mind, none of us. Well, not sorry, there are a few, but most of us." are still working or studying or whatever, as well as training and playing all these games. So it's like when we win the NRLW, it feels like the whole year's work. Chelsea, it's um, it's sort of the equivalent yeah. of someone saying when the Blues won Origin last year, oh, why are they celebrating? They only won two games. Yeah. <laughs> like well, no I one, mean, yeah, that's right. No like, one would even consider saying that. You would be the, the no. stupidest person yeah. at the pub if you said that, but... It just yeah. it seems to be something that's thrown out by quite a few people, unfortunately, about the uh, NRLW. Yeah, I think uh, it's it sucks um, because we obviously want as many fans watching the sport as possible, but um, it's hard to I guess it's hard for fans to watch it without knowing the full story and really appreciate what's happening. So it's like I don't fully blame the people that are saying this because like they actually probably just don't know it's kind of this awkward time at the moment where a lot of people it seems like we're fully professional but we're not (laughs) so it still takes a lot of hard work to get to the NRLW even though it seems so short speaking about professionalism in the NRL, players very rarely sign a one-year contract. They're signing a two- or a three-year contract, especially your higher-end players. So someone that's playing for the Kangaroos, you know, they would very rarely sign a one-year contract. They're signed up long-term. Tell me yeah. about how your contracts work. Yeah, so for the past for the past two years, it's only been a one-year uh, contract. Well, it's not, it's not actually even 12 months, but um, one-season contract. So... Um, obviously means that every every time that the NRLW rolls around, it's kind of like a uh, – there's no security. Like, it's quite a stressful situation because um, no one has any assurance that they're going to be back for another year, which is actually another reason I think that probably celebrates so hard because we actually don't know for sure if we'll be back or, or even if there, there, there was going to be another comp or anything. So that's the other reason why I think we celebrate so hard. But um, – with the changing of the women's game, it's hard. So I understand both sides. Like you can't, we can't sign long-term contracts when we don't even know what the next season's going to look like. Like it could be more rounds, it could be more teams. So um, I definitely understand why we can't. But that's, I guess, another thing for fans to understand. Like we're not guaranteed a position. I think I told you before. I forget what the exact stat was, but I think I think it was close to around. 40% or something like that, 50%-ish of girls from the 2018 comp didn't get re-signed in 2019. So that's obviously a huge turnover. But like with the one-year contract, like that's just how it is. 
It's um, it's crazy, you know. Just and and I'm I'm not comparing you to him. I, I don't want to embarrass you, but it's for you in your position. It's sort of the equivalent of you being a Boyd coordinator. You've won back to back premiership. You're a walk in in Origin teams. You're a walk in in the Australian side, and you don't know if you've got a contract with the Broncos next year. It's it's just crazy. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like the best, like the best players in the game, like essentially aren't assured a contract. Like, obviously, like, the superstars, like, we spoke about Ali and, like, just, like, one Dally M last year. Like, players like that are obviously, like, very, very likely to be offered contracts. But it's more it's more like the girls that are um, sort of maybe up and coming or maybe they're sort of still trying to improve their position in a, in a club. They could just could be signed one year and then nothing the next year so it's quite brutal so when you say you're uh your brigandshaw and your surgices are likely to get a contract next year would they already have a contract for next year or are, are they just assumed they're going to get one? Oh, it would just be assumed yeah. um but like as i said like they, they could go anywhere but at the same time if a surges or a brigandshaw is training in the park tomorrow and they fall over and break their ankle they don't have a contract for next year they're they're on their um, yeah, own again. Well, essentially, like if you have a season-ending injury, which has happened to a couple of girls over the over the last two seasons, like then yeah, it's too bad. Which is so cutthroat. It's it's crazy. I mean, it, it's great that the women's game is is where it's at, but it obviously it, it yeah, has yeah. got a long way to go. And I, you know, I think girls like yourself and everyone else playing at the moment, you're really um, pioneers for the future. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I think could actually if i would say anything on that comment though i think um players like we are actually just getting the rewards of the girls that didn't even get the opportunity to play nrlw you know so it's like people a couple of people have sort of mentioned that word to me and i feel like sort of uncomfortable because i actually don't think i'm a pioneer at all i think the girls that played for nothing like there's women that played in the World Cups that had to fund their own way to get there or women that played for, you know, years and years at the top levels um, and they are just a bit too old at the moment now to, or they've retired and they've missed their NRLW. One, one of them cases that I always think about is um, a, a woman named Renee um, Kunst. So she's... Um, she played back row for Queensland and Australia for so many years. She, I think she was the captain in the 2017 World Cup for the Jillaroos, but she was sort of coming to the end of her career. So she retired at the end of 2017. And then the NRLW started in 2018. <sighs> so I just think about women like that. Like she was such a good player and she just missed it. Just missed it, you know, and it, and it, really sucks it's um it's a, like that. it's a bit like the old um iceberg analogy like the the top of the iceberg is, yeah. is the girls we're seeing now but the rest of it underneath is you know what's come and you know the australian yeah. like I, you'd know more than me but I, I believe the australian rugby league women's team it's been a thing for 20 or 30 years yeah yep and i've just forgotten the year it started unfortunately so that's shame on me but yeah, it's been it's been around for a lot longer than what people realize. Like, I guess that's kind of another 
thing that I wish more fans realized because we're not we're not the start of this. Let me ask you, what would your life look like if you were born ten years earlier? <laughs> um Yeah, well, like to be honest, I probably wouldn't have played rugby league. I, I only started sort of playing once I moved to the Gold Coast because it was um there was like competition and there was a really good team on the Gold Coast, which is which is the Burley Bears, so I could start playing there. But ten years ago, like if I was, sorry, if I was ten years older, like who, like who knows? Like I, it was so it was so like unknown. Like I probably wouldn't have even considered it. I probably would have stuck with other sports, um, which would have sucked because I still think I would have wanted to play rugby league. <laughs> okay, let's go to the other scale. If you were born ten years later, so if you were making your debut for the Broncos in 2028. How do you think the women's game is going to look in 10 years' time? Oh, it'll be quality-wise. It'll obviously um, improve a lot, which is so exciting. Like as I mentioned before, like we'll have girls that have played from five years old to open. So if I was born 10 years later, I'm, I wish. Well, I think I would be. Pl- I would have been playing from when I was little, which you know that to think about that, it's like I would have had. 10 more years of skill development and awareness for the game and everything. So do you see the comp expanding bit over the next 10 years? Oh yeah. Over the next 10 for sure. So this year, I think we were going to go to two rounds, which would have been great. Um, Cause the more footy we play, the better we get. Obviously it's like you watch, you watch the first round compared to the grand final and it's, the quality is so much better in just that short amount of time. So expanding the comp lengthwise, I think, is a really good first step. Um, and then obviously we need more teams, um, but we also need to make sure that there's the talent pool to sustain the quality of the game across those teams. That's one thing that's really good about NRLW, even though it's shorter and less teams, you don't really ever see like a 50 nil blowout. Like they're all competitive game. Uh, yeah, so in the future, obviously, we as players want it to expand because the more it expands, the more likely we can become fully professional as well. Let's uh, let's jump 10 years forward for you right now. You'll be um, 34 then, I believe, yeah? Yeah. Would you consider going into coaching at all in the NRLW? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Absolutely. If you're not tossing it around at the um, Olympics, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I, def- I definitely would love to get into coaching after playing. Chelsea, it's been sure. an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, fantastic to hear your story and, you know, a little bit more detail to the women's game that, you know, you don't really see from sitting on your lounge and, and seeing <laughs> the games here and there. A fantastic perspective to get. I congratulate you on everything you've achieved. It's a special place in history. You're going to hold forever now in that Broncos team and um, all the very best for the future. Thanks very much. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Good luck for uh, whenever we get some NRLW back up and running. Yeah, hopefully that's soon. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.